You're listening to the Punisher Waterfowls, the Union 0430 podcast. Brought to you by Real Geese Decoys, the most technological advanced silhouette decoys on the market. And Vortex Canada, the force of optics. Surprise! Hey, everybody. So, uh... Damien took the night off because apparently some Toronto Maple Leafs are playing some bullshit like that. Rusty supporting it. I'm not a big hockey watcher. I don't have TV in my house. So he asked if I could step in and uh, take the reins for a night. So as always, we've got uh, Mr. Chainsaw Vich, the king of the chainsaws. We've got Ryan Bro, the destroyer of the Chinese buffet. And tonight we've pretty lucky. We've got two guests. We've got Rusty Heron, who... Although I say he's a guest, he's kind of a co-host at some time. So, uh, and you might know him from hearing game calls and uh, call nuts. And then we've also got the man of the hour, Grant McDougald. So Grant's from Arkansas. He's a 16-year-old who's doing some, he's starting to make some duck calls here. And I'm pretty proud of him. So that's why we had to get him on here. And, and he talks about how Rusty's a good mentor to him. So I thought, you know, we'd do a bit of a talk about that. So. Grant, tell us all about GNM calls. Man, hey, I'm glad to be here. I mean, it's it started about a little over a year ago, not too long before spring break of 2021, just as kind of a funny idea. Uh, me and my buddy just kind of thought about it, didn't really think much about it. And we're like, hey, we'll give it a shot. So we bought a lathe from Harbor Freight, started turning. And uh, it was just kind of a small kind of for fun thing now. And it's sort of kind of took off at this point, um, doing pretty well. Uh, but yeah, it was just really was just an idea that we were sitting here talking, uh, on the phone or whatever, just messing around. And I went in the, went in the living room, told dad, after we had been talking about, I was like, dad, I want to make duck calls. He was like, yeah, it was kind of one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Um, just kind of ignored it or whatever. And I came back in there 30 minutes later with a whole big old list on a Google docs and everything I needed for it. So he was like, man, that's, that's kind of he's he's serious about it. So he went, uh, he bought me a lathe, probably a week or so later, and that's that's where it all started. Just some cheap Harbor Freight mini lathe and cheap chisels. But yeah, it's been been good. Definitely definitely have learned a lot uh, from it. But it's really really time consuming. But at the same time, it's I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. And how many calls have you turned now? Do you do you know? Ooh. Well, let's see. I started with just making barrels using echo inserts, everything like that. And then uh, spring break of this year, I guess the Monday of the spring break is when I made my first ever insert. And I think I'm on call. Six on wood and 12 or 13 on acrylics that I've sold. Um, there's some other ones back here on the shelf and stuff that I've made that I'm just kind of, you know, keeping or whatever, um, kind of the first few or whatever and things like that. But, yeah, I'm starting to get rocking and rolling. Got Callapalooza coming up. Uh, I think Rusty's going to be there, hopefully. Um, but, yeah, starting to get rolling on that and grinding it out to make calls for that. But it's been good. Yeah. And how long did it take you for you to develop these calls, like to develop your shape and your and your sound and all that? been a while um let's see i started 
I started kind of playing around with my own inserts really not too long after I started turning. Um, just off of, I think I had a pintail flat jig. But uh, I didn't know anything about them. Didn't know anything about, you know, changing this or that to make different sounds or anything. So it was frustrating. So I just gave up on it. Mm -hmm. um, went to Echo Inserts. They worked. You know, I had some sales here and there and was kind of going to some craft shows and such uh, local to me. Um, but about February, early March or whatever, I got, got kind of sick of just using the Echoes. You know, I kind of wanted to be kind of wanted to be like all the other guys. Uh, November of 2021 early November of that um, is when I joined Call Nuts. Actually, at one of the craft shows, a lady had told me about it. Her husband was in it. Um, I joined Call Nuts and doing that, man, it's just been life-changing. Um, but yeah, it's, I was kind of off and on with some inserts here and there and kind of playing around with different shapes and stuff like that. Um, and finally, spring break, you know, I got my, got my own insert made um, and then was still kind of playing around with some stuff, but I finally gotten gotten to a point where I can make a decently consistent uh, barrel and insert shape that goes good together and that's comfortable with for me to turn but that's yeah good. it's been it's been a process but it's starting to pay off for sure now yeah and we're gonna get to you and Rusty in a minute here but the big question I had for you is where did you learn your customer service and your because you're only 16 right 15 so you're 15 yes sir I better check if we can even have you on the show, but uh, <laughs> so where did you learn your business sense and your customer service? Because, um, so for those that don't know, I actually went and bought a call from Grant and I just said, let me know how much it is. I'm buying a call from you. I'm just trying to support you. And he was, he kept me up to date the whole time. And the first call he made, he wasn't happy with, and he was super apologetic about, and it just, I was like, wow, you, at the time I was thinking for a 16 year old, that's fairly impressive. But now that I know you're 15, that's super impressive. Right. So it's, where did you get that and come up with all that idea and, and learn all that stuff? Man, really? It was just, it was kind of talking. It was almost listening, uh, going to these craft shows and stuff, listening to how other people would like, you know, sell their products, kind of how they'd explain what this is, whatever. And I kind of started to build that within, Let's see, you joined, I joined Call Nuts and um, I was having these calls uh, like this posted up, you know, just the barrels with an echo insert, whatever. Um, and some people would message me here and there about them. Um, and I just start talking with them, uh, kind of explaining kind of what the product was. But then a big thing has been uh, my wood supplier, uh, the stuff I get from him, he'll send me videos and pictures of every piece of wood that he's got and every piece of wood I that he's going to send me and everything. So it's really just been uh, talking to other people and just getting stuff from other people and kind of seeing how they respond to this and that. And that's kind of where I've, where I've developed the communication skills, I guess. Mm -hmm. And and Rusty's been a pretty big help there, eh? Oh yeah, for sure. He's, he's taught me, God, I don't know how much stuff. Uh, this call I made here actually is, it's got a CA finish, but uh, before I was just kind of using a, cheap harbor freight buffing wheel that's really for like a hand drill or whatever but i'd throw it in a collet chuck and use it um so i was buffing they were decently shiny and stuff but then i was talking to rusty about it and he recommended this polished stuff to me and has told me kind of the stuff i use on a band and everything like to like that to polish so he's he's for sure helped me improve sound and looks and everything and I, I 
I don't know where I'd be without guys like him. Yeah. Rusty, you're pretty helpful there with that call nuts. Do you find that the call nuts community, that's a big part of it? Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, I'd like to think the, the group as a whole, and when I say group, it's almost 30,000 people, but they believe in the 2C method over their community over competition. Um, you know, if you look at it, Grant is one of the very, very, very few youngsters playing around in this game of call making. And, and when I say game, I, I say that loosely, it's a hobby, it's fun. Um, but there's a pile of people that are plus or minus 10 years for me and I'm 45. And it's almost like we missed intriguing and, you know, bringing up that 20 to 30 year old age individual into call making. And so we've lost a, a decade of call makers there and a pretty good handful of us realize that if we don't start really trying to reach out to these young guys, these young girls that show just so much as an inkling uh, to want to make a call that, you know, 50 years from now, 100 years from now, nobody's even going to talk about calls anymore, let alone collect them or, or be involved in it. Uh, I'm sure Grant will attest, you know, it's a lot of work. And it's not easy work. It's, it, it's pretty hard on the brain, you know, thinking it all through. It's not overly physical other than the standing behind the lathe. But, you know, a good long day of hard work in the shop making calls, it, it can financially be rewarding for you. And mentally, it, to me, it, it's kind of it's where I go to find all my inner peace, if you will. You know, it's it's my little sanctuary. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the more young kids, you know, like, I, I don't know Grant on a, on a personal level overly well, but I can tell you that ever since he started making his own inserts, he's definitely not doing drugs or out partying or anything like that. Cause he spends every extra minute he's got behind that lathe, having fun and learning his craft further. And, you know, it's, uh, aside from missing out on the girly friends all the time, cause it's Friday, Saturday, Sundays spent behind that lathe. I mean, there's no place better to be really when you're that age. I mean, he's learning so many life skills um, that the, the salesmanship, the craftsmanship, um, having to integrate and, and deal with people. And he's going to get customers that aren't going to be so friendly eventually. And, you know, those are major life skills for whatever his future career holds. And he doesn't even realize just how far ahead of the curve he's going to be on all that compared to, the other 75 people that apply for that job because of just taking his little hobby here, call making and turning it into something um, that just can teach you the world and, and show you how the, the real big world works, I guess you would say. Yeah. And, and you kind of touched on something there, like 50, a hundred years from now, like if we're not getting more people coming into this industry, even hunting in general, there's so much attack to it that it, it could be a dying art. You know, I'm kind of, that's kind of what I've been looking at lately. Like I have two kids and, and they could take it or leave it. Like it's, it's yeah. So that's kind of one of the big things. Like how do you inspire someone to get out there and do this kind of thing? Like what inspired you, Grant? What was it like you had a big smasher of a hunt or you just, it was something neat that you wanted to try, like, you know, 
I'd say really. Um, so, yeah, so I started in 2021. So the 2020 to 2021 duck season is kind of where it started. Um, the summer before that is kind of when I started kind of learning how to call. Um, and I, I was terrible. You know, I, I would always wonder, I'm like, man, why am I flaring these ducks? Well, it's because I sucked at calling. But I started learning and it got more interesting in it. And I enjoyed enjoyed calling. Um, but I guess the last hunt of that, that season that year um it was actually a youth hunt uh we had a big group of guys on a big property and me and dad were in this little hole or whatever and had a dozen dozen and a half decoys set out um but we were in there and i had called in the first group of ducks we'd killed every duck in the group i think it was two drakes and a hen um but i'd called them in and i i'd never been more excited than that um i was just I was proud that I called in a duck. So I got really big into calling and I, I learned how to call on a duck commander single read. I think it was their shadow. I think that was the first, first call that I really learned how to call good on. Um, but that's kind of what sparked everything. Just my inter interest in uh, calling and duck hunting and everything. See, I guess. How do you guys bring in other, like anyone, how do you guys bring in other hunters, whether it's a youth or an adult, you know, like that's something that I'm trying to look at these days is how do, can I bring more people into this hobby? Right. Honestly, for me, um, you know, I've actually, one of my really good buddies, all he did was dove hunt. Um, he's big into just dove hunting. Uh, he'll dove hunt and coyote hunt on his uh, grandparents' property. Like it's nothing, but he had never really been duck hunting or whatever. Um, but he had some public land there around him and I'd been telling him about it and sending him videos and pictures and everything. He was just super interested in it. Um, you know, a lot of people are like, Oh no, I don't want to do that. It's cold, cold water, early mornings, whatever, um, cold outside. But you, when the birds are working to me, birds are flying, you're killing a lot of ducks. None of really, none of that matters to me. I mean, it all just kind of out the door. Boom. I mean, when you really start, I think for me, when you when you have your first really good hunt is when you can't get off of it. That's kind of kind of how it is addicting, at least to me. Um, but really, just uh, kind of sharing hunts, videos, pictures, whatever you can do, just kind of sharing the experience you're having. Um, and I think that really brings a lot of other guys in to want to uh, try it out, which most likely, in most cases, leads to them hunting for for a lot and getting really big into it yeah now rusty you got three kids right is it three boys two 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 boys and a stepdaughter two boys yep. so do both are both the boys like i know your one boy is really big on hunting are they both yeah they are now so my youngest son riley is 16 and up until he was 15 he showed about a two percent interest in the whole idea of the outdoors and it's not that he wasn't exposed to it as a youngster, um, but, you know, it's kind of funny when, when my boys were born, all my buddies were like, oh, man, you're so lucky. You got two little buddies that are going to go hunting with you every day. And, and I, I had to stop them all and say, well, that's, that, that'll be great if that's what they want to do, but I want them to just be themselves. And if that means they both end up liking ballet, then that's cool. You know, um, so the exposure was there, but my, my oldest boy, Ben, I mean, he's been hook, line and sinker all in from day one and can't get enough of it. 
Um, but Riley, up until, like I say, he was 15, it was, you know, he'd go the odd time, but it was almost like he was just going to hang out with me and couldn't care less about the hunts per se. We'd go on real quick hunts where, you know, it wasn't a whole lot of work and it was just a couple hours with dad and then home. And I don't know what happened, but the switch just got flicked and, you know, now he's crazy about it. So how do we keep a young guy uh, or girl into it? Well, I sit back now and watch them two shoot and, you know, hunt, whatever you want to call it. And I take video, I make jokes, I cook food, you know, like I'm basically the grunt now. So, but it's all good. I mean, if, you know, to me, if you're a grown adult that's hunted all your life, I think you've had the opportunity to, to, to shoot at or harvest or whatever the, the verbiage is you'd like to use for it um, a lot. So don't be scared to take that step back because to be quite honest uh, last year was probably one of the funnest years I've ever had hunting and I probably uncased the gun the fewest times in my life it was just way more fun to sit back and relax and joke and watch the boys you know and you know next thing you know they're wanting to bring a couple buddies you know like how, how how do you bring somebody that's not into it you just you just encourage it you know, for the, for the call making side of it, both my boys know how to obviously make a call. Um, Ben's made a good handful, uh, Riley, not so much, but the way I started them is bring them into the shop, put them behind a lathe and let them make their own pen or pencil for school. You know, you can, if you're a, a call maker, you can buy a pen mandrel for, you know, call it 50 bucks all in, even though it's not even that much and a couple pen kits and you know, who cares if the kids blow up three or four or eight blanks in the process of it, you just sit back and encourage them. And, you know, this, a pen is a real simple thing, honestly, to turn, um, you know, there's no trying to shape a tone board out of it or whatnot. So you just sit back and kind of let them get into a little bit of a rhythm and just try and see how their interest is gauged and just try and keep them positive the whole time, I guess, uh, was what I did. And, you know, I, I hope one day as the boys get older and, you know, life slows down a little bit for them, I hope they really dive into this because Lord knows I, I've got a bunch of stuff I'd love to sit back and work with them on, do little collabs with my kids. But uh, I really hope that, you know, anybody that's ever had any interest in this whatsoever gets a chance. And like for Grant there, we did a, a fundraiser um, to get him his first custom jig made. And, uh, the only thing I, I said to Grant, I said, uh, you know, you don't know me, anybody else that tried to organize this or anybody else that contributed to this, anything at all. The only thing I'd ask of you is if you got a buddy around somewhere that you think might take a liking to this, bring them over and throw a piece of wood on the lathe and tell them to have some fun. Have some fun. You know, like it'll be a dying breed if we don't do that stuff and reach out and help, help everybody, you know, whether you're young or old. Um, and I mean, for myself now, I, I'm at a point with my call making that I don't look, you know, for the next call sale or, you know, what next year is going to do. I'm at the point now that I'm really hoping 50, 100, 150 years from now, if somebody still has a call of mine hanging on a lanyard and, somehow some way I, you know i'm still thought over talked about you know kind of like uh all the the 
the grates that we collect now um, from you know the early 1900s, it'd be nice to be in that conversation in the early 2100s, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, and you touched on a lot of stuff there, but like, I think a big thing that we're talking about here is that duck hunting is kind of the and goose, but duck and goose is kind of like the outdoor activity and hunting that getting kids involved in is probably one of the more enjoyable ones, right? Like you can cook food in the blind, you can talk a little bit, you can look around and if there's no action, you can let them use the binoculars and have snacks and right. You open a bag of chips with the turkey fields, the turkey's going to hear it and they're going to get, get out of there. Right. So it, yeah, I think that's one of the big things. And that's why I personally take kids out duck hunting first or goose hunting myself. Right. So yeah, and I, I think w- with with waterfowling in general, kids can get away with so much, right? It, it, if you have a good hide, kids can move around. They can wear blaze orange. It doesn't matter compared to, you know, deer hunting, turkey hunting, any type of big game hunting where being still, being quiet, worrying about the wind, you know, duck hunting. Hey, you got waders on, Junior? You want to go for a walk out in the decoys with the stick? And you know, walk around in the muck. Oh, well, so you're not going to shoot at anything for 10 or 15 minutes while he does it, but he's going to go on a little, you know, aquatic adventure and, or she's going to go and, you know, hopefully something happens while they're out there that they get just that much more excited about, right? Like there's a million things in my opinion that can happen while you're waterfowling that don't involve shooting at anything that can get you hooked to want to come back. So, you know, like, it's the same with adults too. Like when we're trying to get new adult hunters in, like I have a few buddies now that are just getting into hunting. They're 37 years old and they're like, Oh, I can't wait to shoot my first deer. I'm like, well, why don't we go out for ducks? No, no, I'm getting a deer. I'm like, okay, you're going to go out to that bush, climb a goddamn tree, sit in a stool, be uncomfortable as hell, cold for a few hours. Don't move. Can't smell. Can't cook. And you're going to be happy with that and hopefully see a deer come on out. We'll scout some ducks. We'll go, we'll cook some bacon and eggs. We'll be nice and comfortable. We'll pretty much be laying down, just waiting. It'll be the greatest day. And they don't go, they don't go, they don't go. And then first day out, they're like, screw deer hunting. I'm going for ducks from now on. Right. So Sounds like Damien. Yeah. The, yeah, the only, yeah. The yeah. Only, I'm not no. going to lie, boys. If it doesn't have wings, I don't chase after it. You know, it's, they're, they're deer hunting. I totally get the gist of it. I, I, I do, but climbing up a tree all by myself to just be with my thoughts for eight hours, hoping and praying that, you know, I snuck in close enough to a bedding area or this, that, or the other. When I look at the trade off that or go sit in a wet, smelly duck blind in the marsh with two or three of my buddies, cook, rant and rave, go on a couple kayak adventures, you know, jump in the truck and go for lunch because it doesn't matter what scent you're tracking in or out. Ducks always win. And that's that's kind of a big thing for you. How did you guys get involved there, Mark and Ryan? Young age? Yeah, like I had, I was fortunate enough to have a father who was into it as long as I can remember. And I remember he took me on, uh, I still, I can still, remember piece i'm 39 now but i can still remember pieces of my first duck hunt we were on the st john river in new brunswick 
and uh, him and a buddy had canoed out in the dark, and I was in the middle of the canoe and set up on a riverbank, and I remember first flock of ducks in the morning came in, and I had a big, I don't even know what I was wearing, and I had a big set of aircraft ear defenders on my head, and that duck was probably about 70 yards working on its way in is the first duck I ever saw in flight. And I was screaming at the top of my head. My dad tells the story better, but I was screaming at the top of my head, telling him to shoot, shoot, shoot. And that duck never came any closer after that because of my enthusiasm. But my dad knew right then and there, I was, I was going to be a waterfowler for life. So. You got, you got to be patient with the new hunters too, right? Like the kids are going to flare a bird. They're going to, whatever it is, what it is, right? Hey, they left something. They didn't, you know, they're cold. If your kid says they're cold, take them home. If the kid flares a duck because they're too loud, laugh, right? It's you want them to enjoy that experience, right? Don't don't have any expectations. Don't set expectations nope. for yourself. Um, I have a six-year-old son now. Like, just make it an enjoyable. If you want, really truly want them to maybe be interested in it, cater it to them, and don't set your ex- expectations for yourself. Yeah, and laugh about it, right? Like you're going out to hang out with your best buddy in the world or you're going out to hang out with one of your friends or whatever. You're just going out to hang out, but you're not, if you shoot a duck, it's a bonus, right? That's how I look at it all the time. My daughter, she's so afraid that we're going to go out and she's going to not be able to shoot a bird in the air. So she refuses to go duck hunting still. And I'm like, babe, come on out. I will shoot the whole day and you'll see how often I miss. So it doesn't matter. Just have fun with it. Right. So you know there's an easy way to solve that one dave what's that just go out and leave the guns at home then nobody misses anything yeah i never thought of that just go out and watch the birds right so it's it's crazy when you're not shooting how much more fun it is watching the birds work trying to fool them right like because with a youngster short or better you want them it's you know it's like it's like that girl you dated in high school. She always left you wanting more, right? With, with kids, you know, that's, to me, that's the golden rule. You know, to me, a, a 15 minute to 45 minute hunt is ideal. You know, you hope to go out, let them set a few decoys, see a handful of birds, and then, oh, we got to go because mom's got dinner, dad's got dinner, whatever it might be. Um, so they come home and they're amped up, they're excited, and they want to go back and see what it, more it has to offer, right? Like you don't want to take a, a youngster and be out there for eight, 10 hours, you know, even if it's nice out, cause they're going to come home and be, Oh, it was a long day. I'm tired. Uh, you want them to come home, go, go up in their room and sit there and think about it for a while and just be like, wow, what, how, how can it get better? How can it be, be crazier? You know, I can't believe I got to walk in the water with waders on. That was weird. Even if they're a size three and you put them in size 10 waders and hold their hands, it doesn't matter. Right. It's, it's those, crazy oh i got to go for a canoe ride in the new canoe you know like that's really what it's all about the the whole shooting aspect that that can wait till later if the kid's really going to get intrigued by it and even a a full-grown adult um i saw a video this year that they shot in the coca-cola woods which has got to be somewhere down near you grant arkansas that rusty uh crazy i believe is how you pronounce it and uh he had an old woman like and when i say old she was like 70, 80 years old. And all they did was they went out in the morning, put the waders on and stood in the trees and just watched the ducks for an hour. And it was 
it was like thousands upon thousands of ducks falling into this little hole and it you know you could yeah. just as someone that's right into it you could just picture yourself sitting there just taking it all in and i mean the last thing you'd ever think of is reaching for a gun in that moment because you just want to enjoy it so so grant what do you have in the future for your call company there any big plans coming up or oh did i lose him he's frozen frozen Uh uh-oh oh he's gone for supper yeah I was hoping he'd talk about he's coming out with some goose calls is what I was hearing. He's he wants to learn to make goose calls. But yeah. yeah. Oh, I think we lost him. Yeah. Yeah. In the next next year so I'll probably start working with that. But a big thing. A uh, big thing that I've learned is how to do these stippled bands. Um, hey. But yeah, stippling's a big thing. I really want to learn how to check their call. Uh, that's a big thing for me. But this summer, I'm really going to start playing around with doing, uh, you know, some inlays and different caps and uh, all kind of stuff like that. So. Hey, Grant, I think we're losing you there, buddy. Can you turn your camera off? Do you know how to do that? No. Oh. Yeah, let's see if you can talk now. Yeah. Is this a little bit better? Yeah, that's yes. better. Okay, you got to start again. What are you planning? What's your plans coming up? All right. So, uh, yeah, so like I mentioned, um, I've really started to get into kind of stippling bands and stuff uh, here lately and learning how to do that. Um, but I'd really like to learn how to kind of checker a call, um, just kind of make more unique call, you know, cord wrap. Uh, this summer, I'm really going to start playing with some different inlays and caps and things like that. Um, but, and then, yeah, within the next, uh, I don't know, maybe a year or two or something, I'll really start working on trying to get a goose call uh, implemented and learning how to, how to blow them really well and everything like that. Um, but huge, huge plans uh, in the future, but there's definitely, you know, kind of some smaller things with my looks and sound and everything like that, um, that I'd like to work with and things like that, just to make, you know, kind of the quality and looks and everything like that better. Yeah. And what's this call of Palooza you're going to there, Rusty, you and Grant are both going, right? Yeah. Yeah. As long as, uh, work doesn't throw a monkey wrench into it for me, it's, uh, the first weekend in June there, uh, down in Stuttgart, Arkansas, at uh, the RNT shop, uh, Mr. John Stevens, the owner there. Uh, this is the third or fourth year now uh, that he's hosted Call of Palooza. And, and he was a really big factor in the 2C, the community over competition, um, bringing all these call makers and inviting them into his domain his shop his business you know it's his livelihood and allowing you to to set up shop and uh, sell your goods and then they have a, a call maker challenge as well there's a, a few things going on down there this year they're having a another having a, a cook-off a breakfast blind cook-off challenge uh, they're having a, a call makers competition with a bunch of monkey wrenches thrown into it and then they're even going to have a, a cut down call competition as well and, and what john's done is you know he he's really emphasized to everybody that but bringing everybody together although 
you know, if you're in this just as a pure call salesman, saleswoman, um, you know, you look at everybody, oh, oh no, they're going to, to Grant's booth to buy a call. I wish they'd come to mine, but really, you know, if a hundred people showed up to call a Palooza to buy one of my calls, odds are they're going to buy somebody else's call while they're there too. And it mitigates across all the call makers. So instead of you just having your hundred followers, my hundred followers, Mark and Ryan's hundred followers, Grant, because he's a young buck, he gets 150 followers. Now we end up with all those followers checking out all of our stuff as well by working as a community instead of being in competition with one another, right? It's, it's a big win for everybody because even on a, on a collector scale, uh, there's a lot of names out there, you know, Grant being a, a new guy, I mean, through Call Nuts and just Grant's um, self-promotion, if you will, uh, he's really starting to get a name out there. But there's a lot of guys they kind of just try and fly under the radar and they're pretty quiet. You know, they take their craft seriously, but a lot of collectors don't really know about them a whole lot. So when they show up at Call of Palooza, they get exposed to this big audience and collectors go goo goo gaga over it because they get to, you know, try out and, you know, purchase all these new great calls that, you know, they never even really knew existed. And so it's just such a huge win for the whole call making call collecting community and hunting in general right like it's it's we need more stuff like this is, is what we need yeah. so it, it's pretty amazing it's one of the things that i really want to get to and see um just the concept of it like in my mind i'm thinking this would be like the like gm hosting an event and saying Porsche, Audi, BMW, I want you guys to put your cars here too. And, and we'll all come see this. And, and I was like, this is kind of amazing that all these call makers are coming together at a big call shop. Like that's, I really want to make it to a fun year. So hopefully it keeps going. Right. Like that's, that's pretty phenomenal stuff that he's doing down there. Yeah. It's, it's, it's absolutely incredible what he's doing and his generosity is just second to none for the call making community. Uh, and you won't, I, I know for a fact you've been to NWTF. NWTF is a fantastic show and event. Uh, this blows it right out of the water. What, what day is it again? Uh, so it's for, for John, it's a, it's a week-long event. Uh, I'm hoping to arrive late Tuesday evening, and then I'll be around the show from Wednesday uh, through Saturday night. So... Now, last year did uh, they did a kind of neat competition where it was like a couple call makers came collaboratively, am I? And they made calls. Am I thinking of that right? Yeah. So last year they did that, and the year before, twenty twenty was the last time I I was there because it's funny. As soon as I got home from the twenty twenty event, uh, COVID happened, and they literally shut the border down the same day that I crossed back into Canada. And what they did the first couple of years there is they had two four-man teams, and I believe it was somewhere between eight and 16 hours total that these four-man teams had, and four women, so don't, um, it just happened to be eight guys. Uh, these call makers went at it, and what they were able to accomplish in such a short time frame was just absolutely mind-boggling. 
And this year they've, they've taken a different spin. Uh, they're putting eight call makers in like a March Madness bracket style up against each other. Um, I don't know of all the details and some of the details that I do know of, I'm sworn to secrecy on, but it's not, hey, I'm going to show up and just make the same duck call I make every day and, you know, may the, may the best call maker win. No, there's, may the most knowledgeable call maker win is all I have to say. So, yeah, there, there, there's going to be some very uncomfortable people. Here, here's a lathe, here's some tools, and here's a flat jig. I uh, like it. I can tell you for sure that's one of them. I like it. I really hmm. like that. Yeah. That uh, that separates the call maker from the hack. Yeah. So uh, on the duck call side of things, I'm really glad I'm not in this contest. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, other than I'm swamped with work right now, I've been trying to make a duck call for a few years. And Rusty's one of the guys that I've leaned on as well. And kind of my evolution was the same as most, like the same as what Grant was talking, where start turning barrels and just learning how to use the lathe and put my echo insert in it. And that's just getting me to learn the lathe. I never thought of doing the pen thing. I, that, I could have had a bunch of pens. That would have been a good idea, but so that's where I started. And then that turned into going with the, what is it? The PJ one. Anyway, the pintail one or something like that and learning. And then through rusty, I met uh, Mr. Douglas and Mr. Douglas said, well, you might want to get a flat jig. And I didn't know what a flat jig was at first, but really all it is, is you're taking that. If you take the insert of a duck call and you just go, it's just flat across and you've got to put that curve in it on your own and learn how to use that. That'll learn you. That'll learn you some mighty quick, won't it? So is that kind of how you would go about doing it? Because you're getting into the duck calls too, Rusty. I might have one now that's, I kind of like it. So I've made some, um, they're still not my bread and butter by any stretch. I'd still, if you tell me, Hey, tomorrow you get to go into your shop and do whatever you want, but what species of call are you turning? We all know that I'm going to go turn a goose call. Uh, but every now and then you just need that mental break. And so I started messing around with a duck call a little bit. I don't claim for it to be, you know, an amazing, uh, piece. Uh, I still got a ton to learn and seems like every time I make one, I, I learn something, whether it's good or bad, uh, you're going to, you're going to end up making a bunch of stuff like this where, wow, it looks pretty, but it don't sound good. So, uh, it just happens and you just got to understand that that's half the fun in it is trying to figure it out. Um, it's insane how much everything that goes into a tone board changes everything. Like, yeah, I ask a lot of questions on social media to people and I've gotten just a phenomenal response from it. But just when you think you got a, a tone board licked, you know, you're like, oh, one more swipe on sandpaper and you go just like that on 400 grit and then you blow it and everything's changed and you're like, what did I do? <laughs> now I got to start over. Then you find out you should have sanded it way up here instead of there. And, oh, it's, uh, but I mean, you're making a musical instrument, I guess. And if it was easy, everybody would do it. 
so it's a it's a fun headache i guess i would say um the it's nice learning so much so now is it fair to say that not everyone's calls fits everyone's calling style oh 100 percent um heck take this little walnut call i have here i can wail on this and to me i sound awesome on it but if my son ben came into the room here and i said hey here try this tell me what you think it's awesome he'd blow it hand it back and say yeah i hate it because <laughs> i blow a call differently than he does um he puts the proper air into a call and i don't so for me it's great for him it sounds worse than a kid on a kazoo but you know it's uh if you want to build in my opinion uh, a phenomenal call it doesn't matter what the species is you better be able to operate the call to that level or have somebody real real close to you that can because like i say one swipe on a piece of sandpaper can change everything on it on a duck call tone board for sure so you know, I, I could build a call like that walnut call. I'm absolutely in love with it. It blows real easy for me. And, you know, it. I could take that hunt and kill ducks with it every single day. And I don't think Ben could kill a duck with it. That's how bad he sounds on it. But it's just because I'm not good enough at putting the air into the call properly. So, you know, you'll only make as good a call as you can get the sounds, whether it's from you or from somebody close by. So, yeah. So if I was looking at getting into call making, the other thing I would do, guys, first off, if you're just into calls in general, join up with Call Nuts and look at some of the stuff that's being posted there. It's, there's some phenomenal, talented people. But the other thing, search Facebook for Rusty Heron's tutorials, and you will learn quite a bit about various things, and it'll set you on the right track before you ask for help. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. Like kind of, kind of learn as much as you can before you get asking. Right. And Rusty's got a lot of good videos out there. There's a couple forums like THO call nuts has a lot of information. So if you're looking to get into calls and call making, look at that stuff. Right. And then, yeah. then ask the hard questions. So. See, and that, that, that's where me and you differ just a little bit. I want people to ask questions from day one, because you know what, if I can help them, I want to. And I don't, it, you know, there's some old school guys that you got to earn it. You got no, because no different than that duck call insert that I threw over my shoulder. Cause it's absolutely terrible. I don't want, if you're a new call maker, I don't want that to be your first insert. I want your first insert to sound as realistically good as a first insert can for you and give you something positive to build off of. that one that I threw over my shoulder, I can blow for about eight milliseconds before it locks up and sticks and squeals out. And, you know, if you spent, you know, as a first timer, you're going to spend two to three hours for sure, just making that insert. And if you spend all that time and then put it all together and nothing, how do you take two or three or four more hours and do it again if you're not crazy hooked on the whole idea? You don't. So I want I want to help you right from day one, um, you know, right from thought one. It you know, there's no questions a bad question, no questions a dumb question. Yeah, I'm not going to teach you how to fly the spaceship, 
you know, right off the hop type deal because you, you have to learn some things along the way so you can get a better feel for it. But in all seriousness, Dave, if we don't, I mean, you're, you're a call maker and, and more importantly, you're, you're invested and involved in the industry um, and you see what the youth is now. And it's the, the word for it is non-existent. So I'm good with answering questions right on day one because we need to attract these people to the whole thought process of this and keep them invigorated and intrigued with it because otherwise it's it's going to be gone before we know it. Yeah. And I'm not trying to just like disagree with you and throw you under the bus, but no, I no, I, 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 I no, oh, I think it's great. Know. I think it's great because I I really am one of those types that I want to learn as much as I can. And then start asking questions. Just then I have not so much that I don't have questions. It's that maybe my questions can be better directed. That's sure. Why, no. That's why I like to kind of research everything before I start talking to people. And I like to give the resources, right? Like, so if you go on those forums and you start looking and then maybe something's not making sense, then you actually have a question rather than just going, Hey, Rusty, how do I make an insert? I can kind of get the, okay, this is what an insert looks like. This is this is this or this is that. That's where I'm at. Sorry, Mark. What were, or was it Mark was going to say something there? I just said, uh, don't worry about cutting them up. We cut up Damien all the time. <laughs> yeah. But no, like that's, that's just the way my mindset has always been. It's just like, I try and learn as much as I can before I go forward with questions. So that's, but yeah, I like that Rusty. So it's like dude, when you're making calls and stuff, no one's going to get hurt or killed if you don't do it right. If you, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm going to use the analogy because uh, I'm a member of a chainsaw group on Facebook that has over 100,000 members. And guys are continuously putting up a post where they grab a chainsaw, don't have a clue in the world, and start cutting down a tree and almost die. But ask, hey, how did I do? <laughs> did you but see in this, in this example, you're, you're looking at making calls. Like I said, no one can get hurt or get killed. Just have at it, right? Like, get right into it face and eyes into it and, and uh, ask all the questions you can along the way now, to be fair to be fair the lathe and your lathe tools can be dangerous if you're not operating them correctly i just want to point it out there so that we don't get yeah. sued by yeah. one of our millions of followers right yeah i got so. my lathe in the eye and punched a waterfowl so it was okay <laughs> yeah so oh that's good did you see that video i think i sent it to you the the rapper who who cut down his first tree Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> For anyone who hasn't seen this, it's this rapper who gets his first chainsaw and he's just, I think he's in like shorts and flip flops and he's, man, he gets the tree down. And he's so happy. And he starts walking towards the cameraman, like, rah, rah, rah. <laughs> and I'm like, that dude slips. You've got one or two people dead. Like, holy, they're big trees. Yeah. Yeah. Those are big trees. Those that. <laughs> he's lucky <laughs> we're, we're gonna go off on a tangent here if we keep talking about chainsaws and cutting down no, trees no. but i was only you know, using this analogy you kept going <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so what uh maybe one of the two of you could say or both of you what wood would you suggest starting with for people um to get into turning for me honestly yeah. um you know if you've got uh if you got like say some maple or something you know if you got a lot of supply somebody gave you a bunch of wood or whatever um square block use that but uh 
a big thing that a lot of people, um, I believe Rusty included that told me to play with, is just go get like a hard maple dowel rod or something. Um, you don't have to shape it, um, but it kind of gets you playing around with your tone board uh, and you can still drill it, throw it in the call it chuck, whatever, um, but you can play around with it. Now it's definitely, it's definitely easier starting with a square block because you know, you can make your shoulder and everything like that and kind of learn how it fits up and play with your different like links and everything like that. Um, but, but you'll definitely, if you make a perfect one on your first try ever, props to you. You know, it's, it, it's tough to do, um, but it's once you, when you finally get that first one, the feeling is amazing. Um, but, but me personally, I went through a lot of wood, lots of inserts and everything. Um, but I've never, never bought, you know, Coca-Cola, African Blackwood or anything until I made the first until I started getting my rhythm down. But now, you know, I'm sleeping calls in African Blackwood, Coca-Cola, Hedge, whatever, um, you know, sleeping and playing with those uh, kind of every day. But just start with something that you have uh, good access to. It may not be the best sound ever. And, yeah, you could take a wood uh, that's super hard or, like, even acrylic or something that's super hard and get a really good sound out of it uh, after you've kind of figured things out. But even with, like, a – piece of maple or something like that you know you're still going to get your sound yeah it could be improved but you're going to learn kind of how the sound uh kind of goes and different things you can make and everything like that so that's just kind of where i would go is just start with something that you've got uh pretty local to you or easy access to any suggestions there russ whatever you can get your hands on whatever because let's face it the first half dozen calls you're really just turning to see if you like turning. Um, they're not going to be the prettiest thing. You're going to mess probably every single one of them up in one way or another. So I don't care if you go out to the neighbor's cherry tree and cut a branch off of it and then center it up and turn it. Wear chaps if you use a chainsaw. Um, but yeah, honestly, I mean, I wouldn't suggest uh, going to the uh, lumber store and buying a two by four with the coatings and all that in it. But, you know, if soft pine is all you can get your hands on and it's cheap and readily available, whatever, whatever gets you behind the lathe, honestly, you know, I, I look back on my first calls and they were all made out of uh, Osage Orange, Hedge, Bodark, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I had a pretty good knowledge of calls before I ever turned my first call. So if you're just, you know, the random individual listening to this, whatever wood you can get your hands on. I mean, I've turned thousand, over a thousand calls anyways now, and I've probably turned three or 400 different woods. Um, they're all different and unique to themselves, but when done properly, they all put a smile on your face at the end. And so it, it's just what, whatever you can get to get you behind the lathe would be my suggestion. Don't be afraid to to check your local dump either if you see like a a broken solid maple bed frame it's a good start i'm just saying or get a buddy like chainsaw vitch i'm just saying he'll cut you scary. yeah i i yeah. asked mark i said you know mark mark was saying oh i got some uh i got some wood do you want some and i'm like sure and he brought me some great big boulder sized and I'm, yeah, I'm just waiting for them to figure out how I'm going to cut those up because I don't have a bandsaw big enough for that. You got a chainsaw. I'll have to learn how to use it because I don't want to look like that rapper in the video. 
Anyways, guys, we are at the one-hour mark, and we're half an hour into the Toronto Maple Leafs game, and I bet you Rusty's itching to see it, aren't you, buddy? So Actually, I wanted to know if I could challenge you right now. Right now? Can we do that on the show? I don't know, because I don't read the rules on anything, <laughs> and I'm like, I think I got Dave right where I need him, so yeah. I'm going for it. Yeah, you know what? I, I will buy the first beer the next time you and I are together. How's that? Oh, <laughs> I got him! Yeah! yeah. Holy go! Yeah, Woo! you got me. You got me. Oh this, this... man, what a good burn to end a show off. With. Yeah, you got me. You <laughs> fucking got me. I sw- I moved my stuff all downstairs. I know exactly where it is right now, but I'm not three Come steps on. away. Hey, I know yeah. where mine is too. It yeah. is close, baby. <laughs> yeah. If it's any consolation, I was gonna do it to Damien. So yeah, that's oh. okay. Yeah. Oh, that made that just. My heart just melted with joy. Yeah. So, I guess when I'm down there this fall, I'll have to buy you some beers. It's it's okay. <laughs> That's oh, good. But oh, no, that was that was great. <sighs> Let's do a round table before we go. Mark. Yeah, hey, good show. Good uh good listening to you, Grant. You never got to uh show off a couple of your calls and talk about them. You oh. want to pull out one or two of your uh of your nicer calls you made recently to and talk oh, about them? Bit. I've got three of them sitting right here uh, that were called Kalusa calls. Um, that's kind of one of them. I'm not sure what you can see it from the lighting. Um, I've still got to polish and stipple the band and all, but it's a piece of stabilized red maple um, barrel. And then here's another one that's a stabilized box elder barrel. Um, just kind of some fancier calls. And then, like I said, this one's at uh, Birch Burl. Um, but they've all been stabilized. Every one of them sleeved in African blackwood. Um, but I'm just trying to work on kind of a variety of calls. You know, I'm going to have full calls, Coca-Cola, Hedge, you know, whatever. Um, oil finishes, CA finishes, sleeve calls, acrylic. You know, I'm just trying to have a, a good little variety of stuff out there um, just to kind of show show what I can build. And Do you want to uh, run one of your calls? Hey, and this kid can run a call. Yeah. You allowed to in the house? I, I told mom I would not to be mad at me. She said sure, so whatever. Go ahead. <laughs> If she gets mad, just say we got the challenge coin going. <laughs> good. That's good. Very nice. Very nice. nice yeah. <laughs> Ryan. Uh, Rusty, good to see you as always, buddy. Hope things are going well, and uh, I'm always envious that you get to go to Call Blues every year. It's kind of like Stuckard is like my version of Disneyland. So have fun with that. I'll be following along on your your adventures. And and uh, Grant, man, it's really it was really good to meet you, and it's really cool to see. I don't think I've ever met somebody your age who's this invested in the, in the call making. Uh, duck, uh, I'm big into duck calls. I'm a huge fan. I don't make calls, but I I love running them and. Uh, I haven't come across somebody your age group yet. So that, that's really cool to see. And I hope it, uh, I hope that's advantageous to you um, in whatever you want to make that. If it's just a hobby, a passion or a business someday, I hope it, uh, hope it uh, turns to what you, I hope whatever goal you have set is comes true for you. Cause I think it's really, uh, really cool to see somebody that young invest into this. Rusty. Oh, sorry. 
Rusty? Well, always a pleasure, boys. Always. Um, I really like the idea that this show was based around the youth movement and how we all need to do our part, regardless of age, to bring new people into this, whether it's the call making, the hunting, anything outdoors related, we all have to do our part. So take a kid hunting or fishing, take a friend hunting or fishing, do whatever you can do to intrigue people to just get outside and enjoy it. Hmm. Loved it, boys. Good. Grant. And I'll just, I can't thank y'all enough for having me on here. You know, I've kind of gotten to show off kind of what I've done and, you know, how, how things started, but at the same time, just, you know, kind of the topics, um, just kind of learning some different things and just kind of seeing what, uh, what, you know, Rusty, he was kind of uh, talking about some different things and all kind of stuff, man. I just, I love kind of doing stuff like this and talking to other people and, you know, seeing people's point of view and what they think on things and all, but, uh, yeah, man, I just can't, can't thank y'all enough for having me on here. Just, I loved it. Yeah. Good. Hey, Dave, Grant and I have a challenge, by the way. Okay. Hey, Greg, we know you're watching. <laughs> so this is the challenge. We need a kid's coloring shirt, sheet, not shirt, sheet of the Punisher logo. And we're going to give those kids all that color. And when it's all said and done, we're going to draw two names. I'm going to hand make a call. And so is Grant. And we're going to give them to the kids. But the challenge is in your corner, Greg. You got to make the sheet. I'll throw a turkey call in there too, boys. I can like make that. a turkey call. Yeah, I'll make one of them. Yeah, I know how to do that. So these duck calls are starting to get to me, but we'll see. <laughs> boys, I appreciate you all being on. I was super, I was like, you know what? Phil's not on. Damien's not here to piss me off. So I'm not going to swear this whole episode. I caught myself like three times. And then Rusty, you had to fucking get me with that coin. <laughs> no. That was an Austin Matthews type snipe, baby. That, yeah, you, were, you definitely. Oh, that yeah. Was a, that was a TSN a, turning point of the series right yeah. there. Fuck. All right. No, I appreciate it, boys. Thank you for so much. And uh, Grant, super proud of you. I can't wait to see where this goes. And I hope more people see what you're doing and say, you know what? I want to try that too. Maybe I can do that. And if anyone does, like we always say, we're not the experts. We know how to get in touch with people who probably are. So just ask and we will help. But anyway, take a kid hunting. Thanks, everybody.